Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Double Shot Sports Podcast with JP and Hector. What's up with you, Hector? Not much, man. I'm feeling pretty good. You know, the the um, draft has come and gone. The uh, the last dance is picking up. We got a pretty good signing here in Dallas. So pretty good, man. I'm ready to go. Yeah, at least, um, I mean, it's not sports action, but at least we had the draft, which is the next best thing, I suppose, even though they had to come up with their own ways of uh, doing it via a live stream with everybody linked in since they couldn't hold the public event like they normally do. But um, all in all, um, well, all that considered, it was less... It was not nearly as problematic as I thought it was going to be. I thought we were going to be running into like so many issues with the with the streaming of it that uh, it would make it like embarrassing. But all in all, it actually seemed pretty okay. Yeah, it went pretty well. I guess we weren't counting on billionaires having the top internet service. That they could <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it was good with, with the exception of it. There was a couple of hiccups. I don't know if you saw the. Um, I want to say. I can't remember what the kid's name was, but he got drafted by the Titans. And uh, his girlfriend was sitting on his lap. Did you see that one? No. What was that? <laughs> his girlfriend was sitting on his lap, and she's like, obviously he's crying. It's an emotional moment. He's got the Titans hat on, and, and she's like, the camera <clears throat> was, I mean, it had to be less than two feet away from this guy's face. Like, it was up close. He's crying, and his girlfriend is just, are like, whole body sitting on him, hugging him or whatever. And the mom was not having it, dude. Like, you could see her. She's off camera, but you can see the girl's, like, arm get tugged. And she's, like, getting nudged. And then the mom straight up just pulled her off of him. Like, she pulled her off. And, yeah, and then you can see, like, off camera, you know, like, barely on, on, on the screen or whatever, you can see the mom's, like, hand motions and shit. Like, you could tell she was telling her something. Yeah. But, like, but, I mean, I get it. Like, the girl's kind of, this is the dude's moment. Like, and get out of his face. Like, get off, get off camera. It's not your time to shine. <laughs> So, anyways, it was that one, and then the whole thing with CD Lamb and the and the phone with his girlfriend. Man, that's that's man. I feel really bad for that girl. <laughs> yeah, it's like not not even for like. I mean, I do feel bad for what happened because I mean that's like a, just a generally suspicious thing you can do in a relationship is yank your phone away. But um, just everybody online like immediately like going after her on social media like everybody commenting all over her profiles that cd's gonna leave her and that she's being cheated on and all stuff it was like <laughs> it's like what the what the fuck like that's just that's that's just like straight up toxic that does suck but she knows what she's getting herself into she was dating trey young before she did cd Lamb. like she, she you know she's just trying to get in there in the video i i think anyways i don't know i could be wrong and but so, yeah, yeah it's, I don't uh, think that, it sucks I don't, that they're bashing her like that. So yeah, I don't think that warrants being attacked by the internet. <laughs> well, but no matter what, I mean, you could be a, a savior, like a life savior, and and you're gonna get attacked by the internet. The internet doesn't care. They don't care one bit. Yeah, no, no. I'm just saying that's that that was that was just fucked up. It's just. I'm trying to find out like some more content on that because it's it's kind of like a she shouldn't have grabbed it. But then, is that his... Because he was on the phone. So, is it his phone? Was it a... I don't know. I, I, I'm not, Who cares? Honestly, who cares? It's just... It's funny that, that it played out like that on national TV. Like, the first time that you're linked to an actual professional career. And that's the first thing people see of you. 
Yeah, yeah, but um, well, yeah, we might as well get into it with the Cowboys draft. Started off with CD Lamb, and um, just overall, it sounded like it was uh, it was it was a nice surprise to see that uh, pretty much across the board of several different sporting news websites that it was like almost in consensus that the Cowboys had the best, if not one of the best drafts. And, um, you know, you can't really argue with it. They got arguably the best wide receiver that was available. You know, they added to their defensive line. They got possibly a new center to replace Travis Frederick. They got Dak Prescott's replacement. I mean, <laughs> all in all, it was all in all, I thought it was, it was really, really successful. Yeah, and what made it that way is that the first two guys that we picked were not supposed to be there. They weren't supposed to be available for us. Um, C.D. Lamb, <clears throat> there was no way that he was going to fall to 17. Like, no way in hell that that was going to happen. But Henry Ru- – and Jerry Judy wasn't even – for me, Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb were the top two going into the draft. And neither of them were the first receiver pick. The Raiders – excuse me, the Raiders picked up uh, Henry Ruggs, I want to say with the 11th or ninth pick, something like that. Um and that was specifically because of speed. The Raiders have to compete with the Chiefs twice a year. And Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman, uh, that's a, the fastest receiving core in the league. So they had to go with Henry Ruggs, which let Jerry Judy then fall to the Broncos, which then I don't I don't understand. Like some people, I guess their needs were bigger. And honestly, the Cowboys needed, we needed a defender. So when we picked up C.D. Lamb, it was like he's there. It was just a case of best player on the board. You have to get him. You can't let that pass. Uh, and what made it so, so successful was that we were still able to, in the second round, turn around and get Trevon Diggs um, with, and fill possibly the biggest need that we have on the team, which is a, uh, defensive backs. Yeah, it seemed like that That was what I was reading most um, about how people felt about the Cowboys draft is that most of the people that they got were players that um, the, that the experts expected to um, not be there anymore. It's like these were players that um, they expected to be picked like several picks before the Cowboys got the chance to. CeeDee Lamb, I mean, some people thought he was the best wide receiver and he would end up getting picked third. Diggs, like you mentioned... Uh, Neville Gallimore, Reggie mm-hmm. Robinson, pre- pretty much everybody. The only one who wasn't the only one who wasn't considered like a great pick was was Ben DiNucci with the seventh overall with the with the seventh round pick. But everybody else, um, I mean, it sounds like just you know just based off what the expectations were, it sounded like they got very very like high value for those picks mm-hmm. that they got. Yeah, absolutely. They a- a- almost every one of their picks should have gone much much earlier than they did go so they almost all fell to us which was good it was lucky for us um <clears throat> and yeah most of the draft was just a case of best player available uh but luckily for us really the only one that we didn't need absolutely need was cd lamb and he's the best pick that we got so now <clears throat> the cowboys go into the season with and I'm, this might sound biased but actually look at the paperwork the Cowboys going into the season with arguably the deadliest wide receiving, um, I'm sorry, receiver core in the NFL. You have uh, Amari Cooper on one side, Michael Gallup on the other, and they're probably going to play CeeDee Lamb out of the slot. 
each receiver over six over six foot, uh, 220, 210, 220 pounds. These guys have hands and they've got speed. Cooper not too bad, but 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 Cooper is the route runner. Um, <clears throat> so and then you're gonna have you have Blake Jarwin who you're you're obviously setting your position on because we let the great Jason Witten go. Yeah, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be deadly, man. The, this team has all the tools that we need on offense to succeed, and we, now we have new coach Mike McCarthy, so that's gonna be interesting. He's gonna have a lot of fun with that with that squad. Yeah, I was um, reading that McCarthy's <laughs> um, philosophy on draft picks and um, you know just overall assessment of roster talent was uh, very much at play in this draft because. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember what the name of the guy was. He's um, in the Cowboys scouting department, like one of the lead scouts um, of the department. And he was saying that one thing that majorly changed from the um, from uh, from the previous coaching era to now was that um, McCarthy is putting a much more value on talent over system. And so he's not he's not looking at he's not trying to create. A style of play and then try to find players that fit it he's just trying to find the best players that he can and then figure out the system later mm-hmm. which I mean that's it's kind of embarrassing to think now that in the previous era with Jason Garrett that's the way that they it felt like if they were being oper- that they were operating mm-hmm. because I mean shit why wouldn't you prioritize getting the best players available mm-hmm. and um, and yeah it sounds like uh, that was a major emphasis. Another major emphasis that they brought up was that they went heavy on the uh, cornerbacks and they did not pick up a safety. And then afterwards, um, in the post-draft discussions, it was brought up that they didn't see drafting a safety as that high of a priority because I think that they have players at cornerback who can transition over... Uh, to safety, and I think the one that was mentioned the most was uh, Chidobe Awuzie. Mm-hmm. And uh, what what were your thoughts on that part? Well, see, I I, I believe that they can, uh, but it's not that easy. That's what we tried to do with Byron Jones when we drafted Byron Jones. He we drafted him as a corner, but we played him as a safety. And the first two years, I want to say he played he played out of the safety position. And it wasn't until he got back to the defensive back the the cornerback position that he really started to shine. And maybe it was because it, he was already two years into his career and he had more, a little more IQ, a little more knowledge about the game. But, it, it, yes, they can be interchangeable. They can go to another position, but we still know where their home is. And their home is in that cornerback position. And I'm not leaning too far towards, well, screw it, we can just push them over to safety. Like, they're, they're still, they still have their one main position. Yeah, and I think they went out and um, I can't remember what was the name of this guy that they um, had just signed another cornerback uh, that they just got recently. It was um, shoot, uh, Daryl Worley was who they had just mm-hmm. signed. He was previously of Oakland, and um, which I mean kind of lends to the point that this is probably something that they're going to try doing because they have. I mean, of course, they could have always improved at cornerback, but that's like that's all what they've mm-hmm. done. They drafted two cornerbacks. They signed a cornerback, and so it kind of sounds like they're all in on this movement of kind of just switching guys around positionally. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, you know, I hope it works out, but 
And we got we did pick up Haha Clinton Dick, so he is a true safety. Um, not the greatest out there, but he's somebody that has more experience starting for for premier games than Jeff Heath did. And I love Jeff Heath, but he just wasn't enough for that position for us. <coughs> yeah, and I can't. I think he might be with the Raiders now too. I, don't, I can't remember where. Yeah, he Heath. Was. Yeah, he signed with the Raiders too. Yeah, yeah. So we did get some kind of reinforcement there at safety. Um, we still have. Uh, uh, Xavier Woods back there as well. So, I mean, hopefully, I mean, it's a young core. It's a young core, so hopefully they can grow, and, and maybe they do end up shining in this kind of hybrid defensive back situation. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how it goes with that. Yeah, if anything, it's just nice to see much more uh, to see a much more dynamic approach to constructing the roster. It, it's it feels like I mean it's we've yet to see if this is going to pay off. We have to let the next season decide for that. But it sounds like they've kind of uh, strayed away from the traditional route, um, kind of um, being predictable. I mean, they're I mean to their credit, they weren't horrible in in you know draft selections previously. But this is just a sign that this is just one of the signs that change is coming, and it seems like change for the yeah. better. Yeah, yeah, and it's refreshing, especially with a. With a franchise that's so in the spotlight every year, it's it's refreshing to see that we're getting young and we're trying something new after so many years of what seemed to be perpetual mediocrity. Like, we're finally getting a fresh start. And really, <clears throat> I think for us, as a fan base, it's just like, we gotta do something. Like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But we gotta do something with this team. Everybody is in agreement that this team can do it all. I know it's going to sound like I'm saying, oh, this is our year, this is our year. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that this collection of talent would be enough for the right regime to hoist the Lombardi at the end of the season. Um, it wasn't last year. It wasn't the year before that or the year before that. And even and we had the same core for the most part. So right now, I think as a fan base, we're, just, we're, we're desperate for any kind of change, any kind of movement to try and do it. Whatever we're doing... Whatever we were doing, it obviously wasn't enough, so let's do something different. Maybe this won't be enough either, but we'll at least be trying to do something else. Yeah, and at least um, at least we can say that they have one of the top, if not the top, offense in the league. I mean, C.D. Lamb was just, uh, it just fell into their lap, and, you know, it wasn't their top priority, but it just added to what was already a crazy offense. Now, you mentioned with Cooper, Gallup, Lamb, um, Jarwin, and then, of course, you got Zeke and Dak, and, uh, you know, they tried to add to the center position with Tyler, I don't know how to pronounce this last time, I think it's... It's Beatus. Yeah, I think it's something like that. And, um, and so... I don't have any issues or concerns at all with the offense. It feels like that's going to be... It's already solidified as, like, one of the best offenses. I mean, it was one of the best offenses last year, and it got better. Mm-hmm. And so, um, question lands solely on the defense to see if these gambles are going to work out, if this is a, if this is going to be a type of team that can, you know, put the clamps on defense and improve on special teams. And are we the type of team that, you know, is going to start winning the games that we should be winning and winning by blowouts or you know it maybe not it may not work out so well but the offense is going to be so heavy that uh, we're going to be winning games we're going to be winning games like like 40 to 33 or something like that like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's it feels like it's going to be one way or the other like i don't see the i don't see any way the offense can fail but the the emphasis is going to be on the defense this upcoming year 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and they also loaded that again. I mean, we lost uh, Robert Quinn, which sucked. I really wanted to keep him. Um, but And then I think we're, they haven't said anything about Michael Bennett, to my knowledge, but I'm pretty sure we're going to lose him, too. But they went out and signed Dontari Poe. <clears throat> they signed uh, Gerald McCoy. Mm-hmm. They're hoping, I'm guessing that we're hoping for Randy Gregory to come back from a sixth suspension for, for marijuana. At least now it's the, the league is a little light on that. Now they're not suspending people for marijuana use anymore. So Randy Gregory could have a possible chance at reinstatement. Um, we have another another set that we have that's probably the best or, or top five in the league is our set of linebackers. Leighton Vander Esch being healthy, Sean Lee being healthy, and Jalen Smith. That's a scary, scary set of of linebackers there. So they are trying to bolster that team. Their their um, their goal, I guess, this year. What what would what would you say would be a, a success for this year this season? Um, I would say. Let's see. What was their last year's record? Uh, I think we were like nine and seven or something like that. Me, it might have been eight and eight. Let me see. How did they finish? Yeah, they finished eight and eight. I would say. Yeah. I would say for regular season, at least eleven wins and playoffs, um, conference championship. Wow. Yeah, that'd be so an appearance in the Super Bowl or an appearance in the conference championship. Yeah, yeah, appearance at least because I mean shit. Just every time they've gotten to the playoffs, they've always fallen flat on their faces. Like we gotta, if they're gonna lose, I mean it's not a failure if they lose, but they gotta at least you know go out strong because like every time they go out, it's embarrassing. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you on that. Um, so this was my theory. This was my theory two days ago, and then yesterday it kind of got solidified with the addition of CD Lamb. I was telling the guys, um, I said, with the addition of CeeDee Lamb, what do you think this means? I'm anxious to see how they play with, how they deal with uh, Dak Prescott's deal now because are they going to say, all right, we got our superstar wide receiver. We have every piece that we need. Now we can go ahead and, and break the bank with Dak. Now we can pay him his money. Or are they going to go to Dak's agent and be like, look, man. And this was before they signed Andy Dunn, so now it's I, I lean a lot more that way too. But now are they going to go to Dak's agent and be like, look, man, is you sign this deal, you take this deal that we're giving you, or any other quarterback. There's a lot of good established quarterbacks that are out and available right now that would love to be in this position. So are they going to use it as leverage, or are they going to be like, all right, let's go pay our guy and we'll, and we'll verify everything. Now everybody's set and done. No, I'm definitely much more on the side of they have everything set up for them to feel more comfortable paying Dak. Because I don't see... There's no way that you... To me, it just doesn't make any sense at all for a team with Super Bowl aspirations to look to the waiver wire for their quarterback. Like, it just it just doesn't make any sense to me. And uh, I think even with... And it's not even a sure thing. Like, we've seen quarterbacks in good situations still not be able to thrive. Like, it's not as easy as saying we got these wide receivers, therefore any quarterback is going to be a success. Like, there's still work to be put into it. And, you know, if Andy Dalton was that good, he would have been picked up by a team who really does need a quarterback. And not, and I mean, he's, he'll, I'm sure he'll, surely he's a quality backup. And, you know, if Dak holds out or gets injured, then, you know, there are worse things that you can do than, than put in Andy Dalton. 
but I mean that 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 can't that can't be the plan. Like if if it is, that's to me that's just extremely idiotic. Like I, they have to be able to pay Dak. I mean their whole thing for like years was you know getting a quarterback that they can groom to take on this kind of position. I mean they found it in Romo, but it was a little too little too late, and he was often injured. You know Dak is the guy. Like this has been the quarterback that we've been waiting for. Like you have to pay him because like. And I don't know how many good years, even if they don't, I don't know how many good years Andy Dalton has. So I mean, what, are we are we just gonna right. keep are we just gonna keep looking to, you know, on the market for for cheap quarterbacks? Are we gonna keep getting washed quarterbacks and hope that this is a Super Bowl strategy? I don't think so. Well, the the cheapest quarterback is a rookie quarterback. So what what I'm I'm not saying that they're gonna take Andy Dalton and be the possible franchise quarterback. What I'm looking at if I'm uh, management. And I love Dak Prescott. I've I've loved Dak Prescott since since he started and went fucking berserk for us that year. Um, since he stepped into the role from third stringer to starting quarterback for the arguably the biggest franchise in sports, I've always loved him. I have, and and I back him. I go with him. I believe in him. But the thing is, from a management perspective, you're about to pay this guy because you're not gonna pay him for four years. You're paying him a six seven year deal. You're gonna try and hold on to him because he's young and he's and he's a big body and he's mobile to a certain extent. He's he's a he's a you can use him basically as a running back if you want to. Uh, so you're gonna give him this big deal before you want to do that. I'm I'm I was against the thought of oh well we got him Amari now if he can do it with Amari then we'll pay him like no 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 you pay him for what he's done that's fine I understand that part. But the thing is before. We're either going to go into a long-term deal with this guy or we got to figure out what else we're going to do. So, in my mind, it's it's Andy Dalton's not the answer for the future, but he would be a good bridge for, say, worst-case scenario. It's the same thing that I said could happen with the Bengals, with the, which is what the Bengals should have done, was take a quarterback that's on the waiver right, right now. Worst-case scenario, you suck balls. Next, ne- next year, you come back and you, and you look at Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or one of those other quarterbacks that are coming up. That's gonna be cheap for four or five years, and then you can figure out you can figure out your pay with him. But you'll be able to keep the rest of your team in, intact while you have a a good quality position quarterback there. But I don't th- it with the roster constructed as it is and the aspirations that they have. Is this the time to use a a bridge quarterback? Like I feel like you want to be cemented in your plans at quarterback for a team that wants to reach the Super Bowl because it doesn't I just I just don't see a way that a team like when was the last time a team who like got scraps on the quarterback market was able to take that team to the Super Bowl like it it doesn't happen that often and even with the teams who go with that strategy like um like last year the 49ers with Garoppolo like their strategy was not to you know plug him in and then you know continue using him just like you would any other star quarterback like they they diverted the ball away from him because he was their weakness and you know what if that ends up being the same thing in Dallas like you have you spent all this time constructing this core of wide receivers for a quarterback who can't get the job done and then what happens right but okay so that's what i'm saying like he hasn't gotten the as much as i love him he hasn't gotten the job done either like so, are we gonna stick with him or are we gonna move on? They need to figure that out. If they would have known that already, if they had that figured out, he'd be signed already. He'd be signed today. 
I get that there's a whole thing with with the C- the new CBA coming into effect and the number of games that they get paid for and all that shit going on too, but I start losing confidence in the situation when the player doesn't say anything to combat the idea that he's the one stalling the the talks. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I had all my confidence and all my shit in Kawhi because he was quiet and whatever. You're not going to, he's just not talking to the media, but it's not, it's all lies. It's all lies. It's all lies. And then later he screwed us. So now I kind of see the, the or I, I think back on that situation whenever I see that Dak's not coming out and saying, no, y'all need to relax. You know, my agent's talking, my people are talking to them. Like we're in talks. It's going to be fine, whatever. And he shouldn't have to, I get it. I get that he shouldn't have to do that, but it, it's, it's kind of, Worrisome whenever he, the neither party comes out. The really the only party that said anything about it is Jerry Jones. He's like, nah, we're talking to him. We'll get something done. Yeah, but I mean, I don't really think that he needs to come out and say anything because, like, what else is he gonna say? Just like, are they just gonna start bad mouthing each other in the middle of negotiations? Like, no, they're just gonna say, you know, they he has his preferences, they have theirs, and they're trying to make a compromise, try to get a deal done. Like, there isn't really much more to say about that, and especially yeah, but that's not even being said. Yeah, well, because I feel like that's common knowledge. Like, like really, what what difference does it make to... Does it really make that big of a difference? Like, I mean, he's trying to get a deal done. That requires the Cowboys to cooperate with, you know, the terms that he wants. Like, if he speaks it out to the public, like, it doesn't change where management is coming from. Like, all what he's saying is stuff that they already know. So what does that really change? Well, no, no, it's not. I'm not saying that's that, that you're going to sway management by doing that. I'm, I'm saying my perspective is the reason why I think that they're going to use this as leverage is because I think that they need it right now. I don't. From my perspective, from the where, from where I'm sitting, it doesn't look like like they're in the driver's seat. So they're doing what they need to, getting who they need to, to be get to be back in the driver's seat, and to be able to, for lack of a better term, strong arm them. Like tell them, look, man, we have we built this team. We have the tools. We can put you in it, and you will excel. We want you to be here, but you're not going to tell us what we can and can't do, or, or that we need to pay you more than Russell Wilson, more than Patrick Mahomes right now, anyways, because Pat's going to break the bank. But when you're not going to tell us that we need to make you the highest paid quarterback in the world, we're we're telling you that we're building this, and we want to we want to make you we want to put you up there, we want to put you with them. But we also have to pay these other guys. We have a whole nother, like a whole squad that we have to get, um, that we have to get paid and we have to get happy. That's the reason why the Patriots worked because Tom Brady was never one to ask for the most, the highest paying job. Tom Brady was actually, and even right now he's making what twenty million a year, twenty five million a year. Like, and, and before that with the Patriots, he was making fifteen to eighteen million a year. Like, he's never been the highest paid quarterback in the league. And he's never asked for it, and he's never forced his way. All he's ever wanted is is a good squad around him, and he's sacrificed pay. People like that that sacrifice pay for a better squad, that's when you end up with good, with good uh, outcomes. And, well, one, I mean, I don't think it was necessarily that Tom Brady didn't want that. I mean, that was one of the reasons why he ended up leaving. And two, like, what, do, do you not think that Dak is worth what he's asking for? I think as a player that does what he does, he's worth it. Yes, I think he's worth it. But I also think 
if we give him all that money, that's just less money that we have to pay these. Leighton Van Ness is going to have to get paid, too. He's going to be worth it. Jalen Smith is worth it. Demarcus Lawrence, we just paid him. He's worth it. I don't think that we should have paid Zeke that much, but he he's had a case, too. Amari Cooper just got 100 mil. Mm-hmm. He's worth it as well. All of these guys are worth it. Some there's Something's got to give. Yeah, do you? And when, when you're the leader of the squad, I think, I mean, you – it sucks he shouldn't have to sacrifice it, but it would just be a lot easier if he did sacrifice a, a little bit. And do you think it's better for the team to agree to what he wants or to move on from him, pay the other guys, and figure out another quarterback situation? Um, if, if, if it's white or black, there's no gray area in there, then I, I think it's better... If there's no compromise, if let's say the Cowboys are at 35 and he wants 42, and there's no budging either way, I think it's better to move on. Wow. <laughs> I didn't think that you'd be so down on that. Well, here's the thing, though, is that we have, and like I said, this guy's not the answer to the future, but we have a quarterback who has led worse teams, much worse teams, to the playoffs. Now, he hasn't won in the playoffs. But he's led Andy Dunn has led the Bengals with maybe one good receiver, which is AJ Green, and and then like a a carousel of running backs, of mediocre running backs, to the playoffs. So we know that he can get things done. Now you give him the best offensive unit, arguably in the league. He's an experienced guy. He's been there. Um, we we can do it. We can we can figure something out. We can use this time to figure it out. Um, and then, like I said, worst case scenario, end up with a good, young, basically free quarterback the way that we did with Dak. I don't think I think we can come up with worse scenarios than that. I don't think worst case scenario is getting a good young quarterback. I mean, I mean there there are a lot of teams who have been trying to find that quarterback for years and still haven't figured it out. I mean, the Cowboys were like that before Romo came along, and um, yeah, just I don't know. I'm of the mindset that you have something that works out. You know how good you you've seen some evidence of how good he can be, and now with stronger weapons, he can be even better than that and worth that salary. So I think they just need to bite the bullet and do it. Well, we'll see. What, hopefully, McCarthy makes a big change in it as well. And Aaron Rodgers wasn't always Aaron Rodgers. Mike McCarthy, to a certain extent, actually to a big extent, made Aaron Rodgers who he is today. So hopefully he can come in and do the same thing with Dak because that's another thing that's very widely overlooked. Like we have a new – yes, we have a new coach, whatever. It's just a new co- – it's not just a new coach. Jason Garrett did his thing for so many years and it was never enough. Mike McCarthy has been to the dance and won one um, with – and actually with almost the same type of team. He had three really good receivers. He had a good running back for, for – a couple of years and and still they weren't as good as as the ones that we have now so hopefully he can turn around and he can solidify it look i'm not against that getting paid i'm not i really i i love the guy i i would like for him to get paid but i i'm against sacrificing the rest of the unit f- to pay one guy okay and so considering so considering the other weaknesses that are on the team like i guess you could put safety in there since we don't know how that's going to be um it's like the offensive line, like I spe- specifically under center, if if Beatus isn't ready, um, 
So you think that's more important than than I guess positionally? You think taking care of those would be better than taking care of a quarterback? And like whatever other things you think are are the weaknesses on the team? Like do you think it's worth more to take care of the other weaknesses or to take care of the quarterback? No, I think it's worth more to take care of a group of weaknesses than one quarterback. And it's not just a quarterback. I think it's better to take care of a group of weaknesses than one running back or than one receiver or than one. If any any positional guy wants to ask for money, that's going to inevitably break up a group of people who can get it done, then I, I don't think it's worth it. Well, one guy is more replaceable than, than five. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it would require them to strike on everybody else that they get. Like, you get... I mean, I, I get what you're I get what you're saying, and you know I can see why people would be of that mindset. But do you think to yourself, like, you know, just retain the quarterback that you already know is really really good, or look at you know look at free agency or look through trades to fill these other gaps and hope that these guys can deliver, and you know it can't be comparable because it's different positions, but just hope that the outcome of getting those guys collectively would be better than the outcome of your quarterback who you already know is really really good. Yeah, no, it, but my thing is that I'd rather I'd rather The thing is the cornerbacks are are one on one. The safeties are are going to be one on one. That's man to man, you're right there, it's you against this guy and you got to defend him. That's corner, sorry, the the defensive backs. The quarterback is it, it's com- it's two different. Like Haha Clinton Dix is going to be Haha Clinton Dix no matter who's out there. That's what he's going to do. But Dak Prescott, with time, is different than Dak Prescott rushed. Philip Rivers with time is different than Philip Rivers when he's rushed. So if you're protect like if you're protecting him, if you spend your money on the O line or on the receivers or on the on the supporting cast. You're in essence creating a completely different quarterback because when you give him time, he's diff- Tom Brady is lights out with time. But we're about to see in Tampa Bay if he's going to be the same when he doesn't have that O line, when he's mm-hmm. not in that scheme. So I, I don't trust Tom Brady on the run. I don't trust Matt Ryan. Trust Matt Ryan on the run. But if you give him time in the pocket, if you build the cast around him and give him time in the pocket, yeah, I trust every quarterback exponentially more so that's i i trust more in the supporting cast and so who do you think is going to be the quarterback by the end of the season i think it'll be dak but i think it's going to be dak because he he doesn't take 42 million a year or 45 million a year Mm -hmm. i think it's going to be dak because he's going to come down okay okay all right which team has a better quarterback situation uh, Philadelphia or Green Bay? <laughs> oh shit! Oh Philly now. Oh yeah, that stupid ass Green Bay. They <laughs> traded up, for... dude. That was so dumb. Yeah, you better be confident. I understand that it worked one time with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, but you better be super confident that Jordan Love is the future because yeah, you just pissed off your franchise. And like you said, the guy who was really behind that was McCarthy, who's not there anymore. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, what are you doing? That was, and then they traded up for him. Yeah, dude. But Philly also, like, I kind of understand why they did it because Carson. If Carson Wentz gets hurt again, Mark Marwitz, if he gets hurt again, he's out of there. They're gonna trade him. 
Like they're there's they're not gonna especially that's why they did this, I think. That's why they went and got Jalen Hurts. They're saying that they want to use him like a Taysom Hill, which I understand as well. He can do that. But I'm pretty sure it's more of an insurance policy. If this motherfucker gets hurt again, he's gone. They are not going to stick with Carson Wentz. Yeah. It's going to be another Andrew Luck. There hasn't been any evidence that he can even complete a season. I mean, Yeah, exactly. The one time that they made it to the Super Bowl, I mean, his backup was filling in for him. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just – I see a lot of divisiveness through the – NFL social media world about whether or not that was a good pick to spend, especially mm-hmm. at that pos- at that position at that time in the draft. So if 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 you if you were Philly, would you have made that move? No, if I was Philly, I would not have made that move at that point in the draft. Um, but he would have been gone by the next round. I don't think Jalen Hurts would have been there the next time around. So do you think that it was that high a priority, or they could have also? gone onto the onto the free agent market or the sixth seventh round for somebody else yeah they could have scooped up jake Fromm in the fifth or uh or uh eason and i think eason went in the fifth or sixth round or something like that they still could have gotten a good like good quality backup that you could end up putting as a starter in the future they still could have gotten that value out of somebody later in the draft but those guys aren't as mobile as Jalen Hurts. So if if in reality they really are trying to use some somebody like Taysom Hill, then yeah, it was the perfect pick. But I don't think that's the only reason they got him. Do you think that with do you think that Aaron Rodgers is more motivated to play better or more 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 motivated to try to get out of there? Fuck no, he's a diva, dude. That guy is pissed. He's gonna go. He's yeah. I think he's much more motivated to get out of there now. What what? The other thing that I was thinking of, I mean, it's 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 easy to to connect those dots, but what I was thinking was that if he really is as petty as people are making him out to be, what better way to do it than to have a comeback year and make it look like they wasted that pick and make it look like they could have gotten a receiver to help him out instead? But why not do it in a city that has a better team? Like, I mean, he could still do that and get what he wants. Like he can. I mean, because Green Bay. I mean, they clearly see a, a certain point in time when they're going to move on from him. Aaron. Yeah. So Aaron Rodgers can can play well, can have a bounce back year. Um, bl- everybody can blame Green Bay for not you know properly supporting the 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 mm-hmm. offense. He can get traded. He can do better somewhere else, and Green Bay is sitting there looking like idiots. Unless that's inevitably what's going to happen. Like, yeah, he just took them to the NFC Championship, and they traded up to get his replacement. Like, I don't, and I'm not a huge. Aaron, I, I, I understand the skill set that he has, but I'm not a huge fan of his personally. Um, but they're, they're, they are, they already look like idiots, and they're going to. You're right. That what he, what you just, what you just said is probably exactly what he's going to do. He's going to come out, show he's still got it. He's going to show enough for somebody to still pay him because he is 35, 36 years old. Mm-hmm. So he is up there. He's got one more contract left. But if he gets them deep in the playoffs, not even the conference championship, if he gets another win or two in the playoffs, he could still get a top dollar contract for two years, three years, get something like Breeze or Brady got. And, and in a better situation, like possibly – the Chargers in L.A. where he, a person like him would love to be. Or in New England if Jared Stidham doesn't work out. Like he, he's going to get another deal. Yeah, yeah. And, um, man, that was just a really wild pick. And, like, especially since, like you mentioned, they, they made it to the conference championship game. Do you think that 
Do you think that that was legitimate? Do you think like if they added a few more pieces that they could have gone even further than that, or this is, or they just, you know, lucked out to the circumstances? I I honestly think they lucked out to the circumstances. Like, yeah, they were there, but they really shouldn't have been. <laughs> like, they they shouldn't have been. I don't. I can't remember who they beat. Um, I want to say, oh, they beat the Eagles. I think right. They, I think it was the there. Eagles. Yeah, but. No, I don't think they should have been there. He didn't have the team. He had Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams wasn't even performing that well. And then you got Alan Lazard and yeah. and some Geronimo Allison. Like, who? <laughs> what? Like, you don't get there. You don't get there like that. And then you you have two running backs. You, they couldn't decide which one to start between Williams and, and uh, Jones. Uh, I, I don't think they should have been there, but they were. The fact is that they were, and he was the one at the helm. And really, it's a better case for him when you're saying, who the hell are these receivers? Which one is the running back? Because no one's asking who the quarterback is. Like, if they got there, it was because of of, uh, of the things that Aaron Rodgers was able to do in the closing moments of games or in the tight situations. Yeah, yeah. And you had mentioned it earlier with New England as a possibility. Do you – there hasn't been, like, any word on what they're looking for, which has then – shifted the conversation over to uh what's his name jason stidham J- jared stidham jared stidham that mm-hmm. he's their guy now so mm-hmm. do you so do you think that stidham is going to be a starting quarterback for them next year yeah i believe it I, I fully believe it i don't know much of the kid i don't but hell no one thought that tom brady was going to be able to replace drew bledsoe so uh, let me put it this way if there was any regime that that I would that I could see going with a guy like Jared Stidham instead of looking to the market for a Cam or a, or a Jameis when he was still on there or a Dalton who I think would have been a good fit. It's the Patriots regime. Like if anybody's yeah. gonna do it, they're gonna do it. Yeah. No. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I, I mean, the only thing that would be, con- I mean, the only thing that's concerning is that nobody knows who this guy really is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the Patriots. You know, Tom Brady is you know the most successful quarterback in history, but. The Patriots were bigger than Tom Brady, and mm-hmm. so if they can, if they know what they're doing, and you know, are confident that Stidham can be that kind of guy, then you you kind of have to roll with it, or mm-hmm. or they don't think he's the guy, and they just roll with it anyway, so they can get a high pick next year and get their quarterback of the future. Then Trevor Lawrence, exactly, dude. There's everybody's gonna be good. The thing, it, it, for teams that lose like the first three games of the season, the rest of the year is just gonna they're just gonna chalk it up. Fuck it. We're done. we just won't try anymore. Like we're we're gonna go for, for this kid that's coming up, and that could possibly be what they're doing. I don't think that they would. I don't think that Bill Belichick would tank, but that's the worst case scenario for him. Yeah, like and lose and whatever. Yeah, and I mean, to tank in the NFL. I mean, I mean, I always think of it in NBA terms, even though it's not the same thing at all. But like in in NBA terms, you can you can win the lottery still winning like. 25 to 30 games in the NFL you have to go winless or win like mm-hmm. one game in order in order to be at the top of the draft where there's no lottery it just goes mm-hmm. strictly by by record and mm-hmm. so I mean you mentioned it before with uh, with Cincinnati and uh, we throw New England into it I mean there's only there's only one team who can get Trevor Lawrence so is mm-hmm. that is that really a viable option is to just immediately start tanking for this guy that's what happened with Miami. Miami's goal, they traded away everybody. They sold the farm. And their goal from the beginning of the year, Brian Flores never came out and said it, but the whole 
term going around Miami was tanking for Tua. Yeah, but they kind of looked out, too, because he got his injury history that pushed him back. Yeah, that's true, I guess. But, but, I mean, you're saying there's only one team that can get it. Absolutely there is. But I'm not saying that they would bench their starters and throw the game. But they'll, they're will, they're going to be willing to do a lot of different things like alternate between Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Or they'll go with Jared Sidham and Brian Hoyer. They'll, they'll, they're going to be willing to try out a lot of different shit and not care like, if it works out or not. I, 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 guess my, I guess my thought is for teams who do not succeed in doing this, like there's going to be, well, there's probably going to be like four or five teams trying to tank to get Trevor Lawrence. And for the other ones who are not successful... Do they look back and think, oh well, it was a good try, or do they, or are they seen as, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, the odds were against you, and you still went, you still went all out to do this. Well, another thing is that there's gonna be, yeah, there will be some teams that are considered to be tanking, and then there's gonna be some teams that are just bad. Like, they, so the Dolphins did get lucky with Tua's injury history, but, um. They also got lucky that the Redskins sucked because they didn't need a quarterback or they weren't going to go for a quarterback. The uh, Who else was in front of them? Was it the Jags? Or the Giants? The Giants sucked, but they have their franchise quarterback. So that all of those factors, there are other teams that are not going to be – they're not going to be tanking on purpose, but they're going to be bad. So they'll take up some of those top spots. And Trevor Lawrence maybe will go number one overall, or maybe it's going to be the Giants again that suck, and they're not going to need a quarterback, so Trevor Lawrence will fall to two, and so on and so forth. If if other teams are just bad that don't need one or that don't want to go uh, QB in the pool. And then another thing is there's going to be other quarterbacks that come up. Jake Fromm, if he would have been drafted, if he would have gone into the draft last year after his sophomore year, I think, or junior year, um, he was projected to go in the top 15. Like, he was projected to be – one of the top quarterbacks picked if he went in last year's draft. He decided to stay. A lot of shit happens in a year. A lot of quarterbacks come up out of nowhere. Dude, Joe Burrow wasn't projected to be the number one pick. Like Trevor Lawrence is, is looked at as the number one pick next year. Justin Fields is probably going to be behind him, but there's still... We don't know what's going to happen. People can come up and have blossom breakout years, and, and it'll change all the whole rankings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... So if so if you were a team with no quarterback, are you trying to tank for Lawrence or no? Uh, if I'm a team with no quarterback and that's the only thing I'm lacking, yeah. No, if I'm if the only thing I'm lacking is a quarterback, I'm picking up Cam Newton and then, and I'm trying and I'm gonna try. Yeah. And then if I don't, then I don't, and then I'll I'll look to the draft. Because that's what I'm thinking too is that at least bring in somebody like Newton to give somebody like Stidham competition because like is Brian Horry really supposed to be that guy? Yeah, no, 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 absolutely not. But th- there's a two. That's a there's two things with that situation is that a Cam Newton doesn't want to compete. Cam Newton wants to be the starting quarterback, which he should be. Honestly, he I think there's a lot of teams in the league where he could be the starting quarterback. And then B. What are you going to tell this Stidham kid? Are you telling him that he's the future, or are you telling him that it's not your job yet, bro? Like, we don't have that much confidence. We're going to bring in a Super Bowl quarterback, not a Super Bowl winning quarterback, but a Super Bowl quarterback uh, five, that's five years removed from being the MVP. Like, we're going to bring in this real quarterback, quote-unquote, and, and and you figure it out. Let's see if you really got it. Like, are you going to tell him that you're confident in him or that you're still iffy about him? Like, that's that's the bad part of that, of doing that to him. 
I wouldn't necessarily think that it's one of those two. I mean, it's always good to have to have competition. Like it's always it's always good to you know bring somebody in to you know as a as a safety net because like what if yeah yeah because like what it, what it, what if they're wrong? What if Stidham isn't that guy? It was like at least you have Cam Newton or Hoyer to fall back on. And so I don't I don't necessarily think that signing another quarterback means that they're moving on from him or trying to already like survey their other options. I think it means that, you know, they're doing what any team should do and trying to, you know, taking out some insurance on the, on the position. Right. But it, so for me, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that, yeah, you're not going to be the guy or whatever, but it's in tears, right? So if, if you're Jared Stidham, and you're sitting on your couch this morning, and, and and all you're seeing is that the Patriots aren't going after anybody, not going after anybody, nobody, nobody. So you're sitting there, you feel like you're on top of the world. You're like, fuck yeah, man. This, the Patriots aren't even looking at quarterbacks. They they want me, and I'm that your head is on high, like you're you're on your high horse, you're ready to go. And then the next morning, you see Patriots sign Brian Hoyer. That doesn't really matter because you're like, no, okay, they signed Brian Hoyer. That as a as Jared Sidham, that is an insurance policy. But then you're sitting there at home and you see Patriots sign Cam Newton. You're not that you're not that high on yourself anymore. Now you're sitting there and you're like, fuck, what? Like, so they are going for somebody else. Like they really do want somebody else. Like Cam is not a backup. And 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 Jared Stidham's not a starter. But Jared Stidham can have more confidence in himself to be a starter if Brian Hoyer is the only other guy on the roster. I get what you're saying. From a from an organizational perspective, it's just smart to get somebody like Cam. For the now. But then Cam is injury-ridden. This is just Cam specifically. He's injury-ridden. He's not as young as Jared Stidham. So are you going to build to keep the dynasty going, or are you going to build to just get another one before you leave as Bill Belichick? All right, so where do, you, where do you think – I mean, where do you think Cam Newton should go then? He's starting to run out of options. He is. It sucks. Um, I think – Man, I don't know. I think it's like he—he he said he doesn't want to be a backup. It's like I don't think he's gonna have a choice anymore. Yeah, he's not. That's the thing is what what I think he's gonna do is he's just gonna wait for somebody to get hurt. Like if he waits for somebody to get hurt, then the team has no—it's no better option than than a Cam Newton to come in and and fill that role, and be the starter. Yeah. Um, I think if Drew Locke doesn't hold it down in in Denver, he'd That'd be, be a good one. Yeah, he'd be good in Denver. Um, if dude, if if you put Cam on that Cleveland squad. If you keep Odell there and you keep and you put Cam in there, like that's that would be dangerous. Yeah, another another uh, solid option. So so if Baker doesn't show that he can do it throughout the beginning part of the season, I think Cam is is a great great addition to that. But as far as where he would go right now, there's I don't think there's any place set. Everybody's set with their quarterback. Everybody knows who they want. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anything else to cover from NFL weekend? No, no. I think I'm good with that. that one, we did quite a bit there and tell me how you're feeling uh about uh the last dance after four episodes i think we kind of uh it kind of feels like they're breaking it down person by person even though i think they're starting to run out and you know the second half of the documentary has to be more about the team and the season as it unfurled but we got we got the spotlight on jordan we get get a spotlight on jordan every episode and then we got spotlight on scotty on Rodman and Phil Jackson. So, h- how are you feeling after the four episodes so far? Is there is there I, uh, what 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 are you what are you learning from it, or is there anything that you are hoping to get out of it still? 
Yeah, yeah, no, I actually like it. I, and I know that a lot of people are like, well, it was supposed to be more about the championship run, about the games. Like, I was looking forward to that. Like, I get that, but I love the backstory. Like, I didn't know. I didn't I didn't watch these guys. I didn't watch. Obviously, I didn't watch them in the 80s. I wasn't around. But in the early 90s, I didn't know their story. I, di I didn't know what they did on their time off. I didn't know what kind of people they were. I didn't know who Dennis Rodman was before. I mean, I knew he played for the Pistons, but I didn't know really who he was or how he became who he is now. Um, so I do like the backstories. I didn't know that Phil Jackson did LSD. Like, <laughs> I like all these backstories. And I think it's, I mean, we still got six episodes. We still got six hours of stuff. Like, it will get to the point where it's, I think anyways, I think it will get to the point where it's showing tons of game footage and how the games win and actually break down the season. But um, but I do like the setup. I think it's going well. I, 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 I am enjoying it. Um, At least for me... It's still a good documentary. It's still something to watch. Like, for anybody who, like you said, for anybody who wasn't there to witness the Bulls era, it does a, it does its job of succinctly, you know, putting together a history of the team. Like, mm -hmm. you, you're not going to need to... As far as what was done, as far as, like, what the history will show, you don't need to branch much further beyond the documentary to learn about what things were like. But I guess the thing that is still bothering me is that it feels, I, I it just feels like more of it. It feels less like a documentary and more of like a commercial for the Bulls. Like it's it's it doesn't really because it it felt misleading leading up to the premiere of it because the way that it was being advertised was that, uh, and I mean to be fair, this is something that we could see in the later episodes, but it was described as something that was going to be like, you know, behind the scenes stories, locker room stories that you never heard of seeing the side of the bulls that nobody has seen before. And so far it's just been a bunch of, you know, it, it feels like it just feels like more advertising for Michael Jordan and the bull. Cause like, it doesn't really, it, you know, we're not seeing another side of these guys all that much. It's like, mm -hmm. it's just them talking about the good old days, which is still cool, but I don't think that it's really thus far being cracked out to be what it was described as. Like, I mean, it's still, it's still cool to see the history, and you know, I I really like the previous two episodes. Like the the previous two episodes were the ones that were most fascinating to me because I mean, Dennis Rodman is just a fascinating person in general, and Phil Jackson. I uh, was very I I didn't uh, I didn't. Uh, I was like, I know what Phil Jackson has done, but I thought it was interesting to see how exactly he rose in the ranks to it because it kind mm. of has, um, again, credit to Jerry Krause. Um, you know, it's kind of a who I think has gotten an unfair rep so far. I mean, it's, you know, he's basically being labeled as the villain. Meanwhile, nobody is giving him the kudos for making pretty much all the right moves up until that final year. And because he was the one who spotted Phil Jackson, he was the one who um, Doug Collins, uh, who who he wanted as an assistant to Doug Collins, he was, uh, and even Doug Collins mentioned in his interview that he felt like Phil Jackson was being groomed to become the to to become the head coach and replace him, which ended up happening. And um, they got more into Tex Winter, who was an assistant for Phil Jackson that he learned from, who basically taught Phil Jackson the triangle. And so it kind of, uh, it kind of, uh, fed into, it kind of fed into like my animosity towards Phil Jackson because he is hailed, he's the one being hailed as the mastermind behind the triangle 
when it's starting to seem more and more like he was the one who just had the luxury of running the Jordan era Bulls and the Shaq and Kobe era Lakers mm-hmm. because He's the luckiest coach of all time. And then once and I mean and even in the second run with the Lakers, um, he won those championships and you know it wasn't as dominant as those previous eras, which I mean you gotta give him some credit for, but it was still Pau Gasol, Andrew Bynum, those guys. And uh which I mean you can't I'm not trying to take away all the credit. It's like the coach does have an impact on how the team performs, but to make it sound like he was the one, he to make it sound like he was the driving force, I don't think is really all that accurate because then mm-hmm. you because then um, I mean you never really got to see him much without those guys because he retired. Um, well, he joined. Well, he joined the Lakers after the Bulls. There was those couple. There was um, that year in between where the Spurs won it, and then he went on the three-peat. And then after that, he retired, came out of retirement for the second run with the Lakers, and then after that, retired again. And then became an executive with the Knicks and did not help things whatsoever and probably made things worse for them, too. And so um, it was just really interesting to see that because I'm, I'm just a person in general who thinks that coaches should get more credit than they deserve. I if, there, if there's one thing that I hate in the sports world is that whenever a team plateaus, their first step is to fire the coach, and I just feel like that's always like a mistake made. It's like I mean, sometimes I mean sometimes they get it right, and sometimes they find a better coach to you know um, take the team further than how they did before. But I just don't like that. That's always the first thing to do, and so it was just really interesting to see from their side because I just I'd want to see the X's and O's. Like it, it is fascinating to me to learn more about what exactly the triangle is. So I thought that was one of the things that I took away the most out of of out of those episodes. Mm-hmm. And and we could I mean I, I agree with you and I've never been one to laud Phil. I mean I'm not saying that Phil Jackson didn't do anything, but he's not the greatest coach of all time, like a lot of people say is. But um, I think that the whole villainous thing for Jerry Krause comes from, I mean, yeah, he put them together. And, yeah, we do forget that he put them together, but he's also the one that broke the band apart. Like, he, he's, he's John and he's Yoko. Like, he's, he's a, you know, and that's all we remember from him. And then on top of that, like, I just don't like his interviews. He's so, like, smug. He's just a smug little man. Like, he doesn't care about what anybody's mm-hmm. saying. He's just... I just don't like the way he fucking... He's not a likable person. He's not a likable person. He's not... And that doesn't help him. Yeah, not at all a likable person. I mean, that was the thing... That was the thing that went against him the most. He did not fit in, like, as a person with those guys. And he desperately yeah. wanted to fit in with those guys as a person. Like, I don't... Like, and um, he... Uh, you know, he wanted the credit. He wanted to be the one to, you know, be seen as the mastermind behind the the Bulls. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that was part of his motivation to break them up was that he wanted to do it again so that way people can see that he was the, he was the driving force behind it. Mm-hmm. And um, which kind of uh, brings up... Well, the, the two things that I think of for and against him uh, is that his main flaw was that uh, this is something that uh, Bomani Jones from ESPN brought up, which I thought was a it was a succinct way of putting it. Was that he didn't learn he didn't know how to read the room. He could make he could make all the right decisions, but he'll still be a jerk about it and drive people away, which is exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the thing to go for him, which you know it's you know it can't be defended one way or another completely because you know the the Bulls dynasty ended when it ended, but let's say that the team does run it back 
do they win more championships? If if Jordan comes back, if Phil Jackson comes back, if they don't trade away Scottie Pippen, do do they do they win another title? Do they beat the Spurs the following year? Do they you know are the are Shaq and Kobe not what they were in the two thousands and the Bulls just keep winning championships through then because. I mean, they were getting older. They were in their mid thirties whenever the whenever you know the team fell apart. As like mm-hmm. was, and you know, for somebody like Kraus, whose job it is to always be thinking about the future, mm-hmm. I can't blame him for wanting to find a way to get Tracy McGrady at that time. Mm-hmm. And so I don't really, and to that, you you know it's you know it's a double edged sword. Like he could have. He could have stuck with it. If all he has to do to be seen as a good person is to stick with the stick with the plan. Mm-hmm. And because he was trying to figure out a way to usher in a new era, because these guys were going to break down one way or another, because they were getting older and had injury histories, he he was he was looked at as a villain for that. Which I mean, depending on how you look at it, is was either right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he and if he would have kept them together, maybe they wouldn't have won because, like I said, they were getting up there in age. Um, so he sacrificed the like they wouldn't say they wouldn't have won again. He'd be a better person in people's eyes, but he'd be less acknowledged. He wasn't even acknowledged now as a GM for the most part. He'd be even less acknowledged because they'd be like, "Well, he didn't know when it was time to hang him. He didn't know when it was time to go for somebody young or somebody new." So uh, yeah, his his idea was where he wanted the credit more than more than the uh the i guess the niceties of being a gm of keeping everybody together he wanted to seem smarter than everybody so i I get what he was doing it's just it sucked that it played out like that because it was the best team of all time you know what i mean like it's it sucks to see all something like that come to an end yeah and so which you know brings up the question that kind of you know kind of a I guess to me, this question kind of also answers what you think of the job that Jerry Krause did, which was, do you think that this, do you think that the Bulls should have ran it back again? Yeah, I think so. But the only reason I think so is because what's better than a three-peat? Like, if, if you come back and do it again, like, they had already done that. They had already they had already had a three-peat before, so the only way to figure out if you're better than yourself or better than the best team is to do it again. So do they beat the Spurs the next year? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you're asking them to run a suicide mission is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it, it just chase glory. Chase the glory. You might die doing it, but at least you chase it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, um, I don't know. I just I thought that was pretty interesting. I wonder how it's going to end up uh, turning out from here because – yeah, they they um, you know they gotten past all of the main characters, mm-hmm. and there's still six episodes left in the documentary. So I wonder how exactly it's gonna go from gonna go from there. And I think in the timeline that they're describing, I mean they do a lot of flashbacks and things like that. But I think along the timeline that they uh, that they last left off on was like January of that season, which was like the halfway point. And mm-hmm. so I wonder how they're going to fill out um, the remaining episodes. And hopefully, hopefully, this is the time where they start getting into the real stories that nobody really knows about. Um, I will give them credit that the one thing that I didn't know about in the Rodman uh, in the Rodman episode was that I I didn't know that at the time that he started being much more of a public figure and you know expressing himself as 
um, you know, as a, as flamboyant as he did, you know, that was, that was, uh, at the same time that he was with the Spurs and mm-hmm. yeah, that he, he started becoming the Rodman that we know when he was in San Antonio mm-hmm. and it was after, it was after two years um, that by that point, by all reports, you know, San Antonio was excited to get rid of him. It sounded like even though he was still producing on the floor that he was, you know, you know, he was too much to deal with. And, uh, and that was, uh, and that was the kind of thing that, you know, knew, um, that Chicago took advantage of. It was just kind of like, which is kind of what we see, um, with other like, uh, popular teams, um, it's kind of like a go-to strategy is that, you know, teams who are good, who are on the brink of becoming a championship contender or who have been championship contenders, teams who are trying to keep it going, is that they'll bring in a guy who doesn't fit in and say to trust that, you know, the structure will be good enough for him, which worked out, you know, uh, tremendously for Chicago because he was still, you know, putting up numbers, especially rebounding and defensive numbers that they, they were amazing like Rodman Rodman is single-handedly like the best rebounder in the history of the NBA and arguably the best defender and so and to and to bring that bring that kind of guy into the fold into a Bulls team that was already on the verge uh who had just you know just a couple years ago had won championships and bringing in that guy you know that was you know that was a major gamble that paid off really really well for them and it doesn't always happen like you see like the Warriors trying to bring in DeMarcus Cousins, and that didn't work. I mean, that was more so because of his injury history than his attitude, but that didn't work. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see, like, in the past years with, uh, with like, go back to the NFL, the Patriots, I mean, like Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon. And so sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, uh, you know, I thought I just thought it was really cool to see that side of Rodman. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that as well. I, I had no, like, all I ever knew of Rodman was that he was that the the crazy hair dyed nose wearing like nose ring wearing kind of kind of guy with the attitude that he didn't care about what anybody thought so for me anyways who i i didn't know or had ever really seen much film with from when he was with the pistons um and then realizing that it was the whole he was he had dated madonna and he was dating carmen electra like all, just to w- actually watch that transition was pretty cool for me I, I enjoyed that how good do you think he is in the modern era I great. I think he's great in the modern era. Uh, I I think he gets teed up a lot, but uh, I think he's I think he's a, a force. I mean, there's not. I don't know that we have anybody that's that gritty right now in the league. No, I agree. I'm, I think Robin would be just as good, if not better, now than yeah. he was than he was back then. I guess like the closest comparison would be Draymond Green, but he didn't have Rodman's. Uh, athleticism and he was like a couple yeah. inches shorter and also yeah. Draymond averages like averages like seven rebounds a game and Rodman was yeah. averaging like 17 so yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so I think he would be an awesome addition to any team right now yeah that and also um I think I mean it's it's hard to tell because I kind of I mean granted I I, I will be the first to admit that I live in this bubble that's kind of more accepting of you know of personalities that aren't very often um uh you know celebrated i guess mm-hmm. in 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 the media and things like that but and you know he could be the kind of guy that would still be grilled as heavily as he was back then for being a party guy for coloring his hair you know for having the kind of attitude that he did but a part of me thinks that 
a part of me thinks that the, I guess, like, the sports world, the way that it is today, would kind of be more accepting of him, and he wouldn't be so, um, he wouldn't feel the need to lash out or to try so hard to, I guess, be different, but it could also go the other way, and just, like, people on social media are constantly shitting on him for the way that he is, and for, like, that Las Vegas vacation thing, like, he would never Mm -hmm. be able to live that down now. And so, I don't know. I'm pretty divided on how I feel about that part, too. If they won, he'd be... If they won, it would be completely accepted. But, like, a few years back, the the Giants receivers all went on a yacht party two weeks before the playoffs started, and then they lost, and people tore them to shreds. But, uh... Who was it recently? Well, shit, Pat Mahomes. Pat Mahomes was, like, a week after winning the Super Bowl, was uh, recorded drunk as fuck dancing at a post malone concert nobody gives a shit like as long as you win it's it's a lot and and granted that's not as wild as dennis rodman was dennis rodman was wilder than that but i feel like as long as he won it would be something to like laugh at and 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 be okay with uh if if he was on a losing team then yeah the internet would be a ruthless ruthless place for him yeah yeah so i don't know i just thought it was cool to kind of give him his due because um I don't think that... I mean, people obviously know who Dennis Rodman is, and he's appreciated as far as, like, how he performs, and, like, as far as who who he is as a person, everybody just kind of, like, laughs it off as he's this, you know, this crazy guy or whatever, and uh, I'm I'm glad that he was... uh, I'm glad he had an episode devoted to him so he could learn a little bit more about who he was as a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so, like, they're not going to do one on Steve Kerr or on anybody else. Like, it's got to be... It has to be game content or a lot of, like, locker room content from here on out. For six more episodes, who, who, there's no one else. Like you said, they already took care of the four main people. Um, it's going to be, I don't know. Well, we're going to see tonight, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I kind of feel like we have to have this conversation because everybody on social media always has this conversation every time you bring up the NBA in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. But uh, how do you think... How do you think um, guys like LeBron would, how they would play, or how they would, how well off they would be if they played in that era instead of this era? I think if you took LeBron, if if LeBron grew up in that era and he's still the same like big, strong, and athletic LeBron that he is now, but he grew up always playing that kind of ball. He'd be amazing back then. But if you took LeBron right now, put him in a time machine, and put him back there with the Pistons, th- he'd get eaten up. He like He's too used to any little swipe and him being called a foul. Like, they're just, it's a different style. And, and I think, yeah, molded into it, some of these guys did have or do have the physique and the grit to, to do it. But not to just be transplanted from this game right now to the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, and you think that that's something that current LeBron wouldn't be able to adapt to? Um. Yeah, over time, but I mean, he would look. He'd get. He'd get wrecked for the first half a season or a season, whole season maybe. It's like the thing that I keep coming back to is that people is like you. You saw this in the in the last episode with the with the Pistons drama, and it's like. Because the big misconception that people have that, you know, I think 
may have been emphasized with this past episode is that they think that, you know, the way that the Pistons played, like clotheslining, elbowing, purposely starting fights, people think that that was just the way that you played in the 90s. Yeah, like, that wasn't it, the whole league. It, 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 it wasn't. It was just, that was just them. That was what they were notorious for. That's that's why people remember them. And, um, and I, you know, people keep getting this idea that I could see what I could see LeBron needing to you know take a little bit of time to get used to the physicality of it but people act like he would just like shrivel up and look like a wimp and you know just you know just be complaining about calls instead of you know trying to play through it and it's and you know I mean superstars do that all the time if they think a call if they if they think that they were wronged on a call then they're gonna say something about it but people people are acting like he would just be like just like some other guy and I mean, yeah, and then like we're we're forgetting that LeBron is like big as hell. It's like yeah. they can try and and Jordan was skinny, and like I know they showed that montage of him working out like there was a fucking Rocky movie and stuff. Yeah, but <laughs> but uh, it's like LeBron is way way bigger than that. If they try to clothesline him, like like he's still gonna go up and finish that layup. You're not gonna be able to yeah. take him down. He's like bigger than like some of the centers back then. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think it was the entire league that was that played as dirty as the Pistons, but the league and as a whole was a lot more lenient towards fouls. Like any little thing, you could, you weren't if you were on the floor back then. It wasn't because you flopped; it's because it was it was it was a tough. I mean, it was tough to drive the ball for a lot of the time, or a lot of those guys came up. When did they implement the three point line? Um, in the eighties or in the seventies? I think it was the eighties. I think in it the eighties, right? I think it was like. Uh, so a lot, me, a lot of these guys played without having any reason to shoot it from far. I see. So, uh, the the nineteen eighty season. Yeah. So someone, I guess, not a lot of them, but some of them played, or at least when they were growing up, they they played without having a reason to shoot it from far. So they their whole game was always driving, 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 and on the other side, their whole game was defending the. The, the people trying to get in. So it was just a different style of play back then, which made the rules a little more lenient. There was more contact than there is nowadays. So, no, I don't think he would be some shriveled-up, puny guy. He is huge, and, and that's what I'm saying. If you take his, you, his him, his physique, and put it back there, he would be okay after a while. But, it, yeah, it would take a lot of getting used to because he's just not – his style of ball has never been like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just – I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm just tired of you know old people saying that he wouldn't, you know, be as good as as he as he is now back then, or that he wouldn't have lasted in the league, or he wouldn't have been a dominant player. It's like it's fucking LeBron James. He's yeah. just, you know, depending on you know, in some people's eyes, he's already the best player there is, and if not the best, then like absolutely top two or three, and mm-hmm. like and like how can you? <clears throat> and I feel like that's a consensus thing. Like anybody with LeBron outside the top three, like that has to be crazy. And so, like, how can, how can you take that guy and say that this decade would have eaten him up alive? Yeah, yeah, no, no. I think he would have been okay. Um, matter of fact, I think he might have been, like, with his, with him, if, if he could adapt to that, I think he might have been better on the Pistons than playing against them. Like, he could have been an enforcer. The guy's huge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And no one's going to want to drive in on that. Yeah. No, and um, I mean I know I'm perpetuating it by talking about it on this episode, but 
I guess that's another thing, too, that's kind of making me feel like this whole thing is dragging with the documentary, is that it feels like every single time after the episode, we're having this discussion about Jordan versus LeBron, or, like, modern NBA players versus, you know, how they would have fared in the league back then, or vice versa. And it's, like, I'm more of the mindset that, you know, the league is better than it's ever been. You don't have to be completely jacked. You know, people make it sound like you have to be a completely jacked kind of guy in order to make it in the 90s. In the 90s where we had fucking Reggie Miller and John Stockton. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, people... And, you know, to make it sound like uh, guys like Kevin Durant and LeBron wouldn't be able to survive in the league. Like, that's just ridiculous. And the other way around, like, you know, I think, if anything, the people from the 80s and 90s we would need a lot more time getting used to the league as it is now. Not just because of the reduced physicality, but because of, you know, how emphasize the three-point line is and how mm. emphasized conditioning is like every time people talk about the league as it is today people just think of the three-point line where you know you have to be like and you have to be in condition like year-round where as like back in the 80s and 90s people saw training camp as their way of getting back into shape whereas you know if you're if you're not spending your summer doing two-a-days people look at you like you don't give a shit anymore yeah yeah i feel you yeah so that makes sense yeah, and so I don't know. It's just, uh, is we'll have to wait and see how the next episodes unfurl. And so, uh, next episodes being tonight. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Anything else to add to it? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, I, there's. I mean, I'm looking forward to whatever else happens with free agency in the in the NFL. We'll keep everybody updated to see on any leagues that are reopening. Um, I know NASCAR's coming back later on this month if anybody likes watching that. I think I might become a NASCAR fan just for the sheer <laughs> thrill of competition from now on. Yeah, not, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, don't go crazy. Go read a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. All right. Well, then, I guess uh, that does it for us. This is Double Shot. Um, we'll be recording again sometime in the next week, We're trying to keep up with uh, you know, uh, our thoughts on every... Uh, last dance episode and uh anything else that goes on in the world hoping for any sign of life in sports but whether or not it happens we'll be here recording Mm -hmm. all right then so we'll see you guys next week all right catch you later